0: All right, welcome back to the Two Putt Podcast. We are back, and so is live golf. What did you guys think of the TaylorMade Skins game on Sunday?
1: Well, I was digging in, obviously from from start to finish. Uh, it was it was kind of quiet in the house, so it was a nice little break from from everything and to watch golf. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is thank goodness that Matt Wolf was there, or else we might not have talked for a couple hours and he was he was kind of the entertainment right away Um, and plus just watching him swing a golf club like I kind of felt like he was just trying to bring heat but at least he was talking and that was that was fun Um, because the rest of the guys you could tell it took a little bit of time for them to get comfortable because that's such a different setting you know you could you know that one time where DJ starts walking away without taking his golf bag with him. He's just not used to being in that type of situation. So it was fun to have it back. And, and like I said, as the golf got uh, a little bit further into it, I think we saw some more personality and definitely uh, some competition started to heat up, and that was good to see.
2: Yeah, I thought it was. It's just nice to have live golf back and be able to have something on TV that you can watch. And you know, as different as it was from a normal PGA Tour event, uh, you know, it was fun to see see those guys compete. And you could tell that there's a little bit of rust when they started. Uh, you know, DJ I think had to shake off a little bit of the rust throughout the entire match. And uh, you know, Ricky was Ricky was pretty good the entire time. I think he made seven birdies or something like that. Uh, and obviously Matthew Wolf winning the two long drive holes that he did. And uh, then Rory you got Rory being the number one player in the world and probably the most consistent golfer uh there is so it was fun to see those guys compete and obviously for a really good cause and something that uh you know everybody can relate to during this time
0: yeah it was just good to have golf back obviously there's some things that i guess i was hoping for that maybe um would have been different maybe we'll get this weekend with the match would have been like to would have liked to hear the mics uh, on the players a little bit more i mean that was a rare opportunity for us um so to get to hear those guys and like you mentioned it took them a little bit to warm up but um, dead air would have been fine with me, and to get a chance to just hear those guys talking up the fairways and doing some of that stuff. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a it was a neat experience. It was an, a a warm welcome back into golf, and uh, hopefully things will continue um, this weekend, as we'll touch on here. But uh, let's dive into this episode. We have a special guest with us. Uh, I'm I'm excited here for uh, episode
1: 12. Yeah, I think usually uh, there would be a debate when we got on here uh, who the best golfer is of the four. Uh, I think today it's pretty much set in stone that we are fighting for second place. Uh, With that, Jason, who do we got today?
2: Yeah, really excited about this episode. Uh, We're going to welcome on Derek Bolin, who is a Waterloo, Iowa native. I went to Walnut Ridge High School, where he's a multi-sport athlete there. Uh, After high school, he continued on to UNI, where he was a a standout golfer there uh, for the Panthers. Uh, actually finished tied for 13th at the 07 Missouri Valley Championships, uh, and also big big break Greenbrier Breyer, uh, contestant as well. And so uh, we're really excited to dive into this one. And uh, Derek, welcome to the pod.
3: Hey boys, thanks for the uh, embarrassing intro. Well, yeah, that one uh, not bad. You
1: should you should see when we introduce most people; it's a lot worse than that. Yeah,
3: all right. Fair, fair.
2: It could have been a lot more embarrassing if I would have dove into the basketball days that we played against each other. But uh, I didn't play golf in high school because uh, I was I was essentially forced to run track, and so uh, I know who would have had the upper hand on. Because you golf were small,
3: ball. you were short and skinny. That's why you, you, you knew you were more aerodynamic. Now he's perfect. just short.
2: <laughs> the skinny part has gone away. That's for sure. Uh.
0: No, Derek, we, uh, we appreciate you taking some time here today and jumping on, uh, hopefully uh, be able to share some insight and some good stories with us, talk, uh, make the connection between obviously playing professionally and growing up here in Iowa. But uh, before we dive into that, I got a few just rapid fire questions, got to set the tone for our listeners here. Um, question number
3: one, where does the golf glove go when you putt? Easy. It goes on the left hand. Why would you not just take it off and put it in the left pocket, back left pocket? Okay. Why would you go to the right hand to put it in the right pocket and then put it back to your left hand? It just doesn't make sense. So I always look at people funny and I'm like, what are you doing? You're, you're, I'm all about efficiency and that's just very non-efficient. Perfect. We've
0: got a lot of debate about that on this uh, podcast, so. though.
3: It's not, it's not a debate. I don't see what the <laughs> debate is. Unless you're, unless you're left-handed, then you can put it in your right pocket.
0: Okay, so what about hat? Do you wear a hat when you golf?
3: Uh, majority of the time I used to, when I grew up, I would never wear a hat. Uh, then I got to college and I was probably 50, 50. And then when I turned professional, I realized you kind of have to. (laughs) And when I moved to Arizona, there's a lot more sun here than there is in Iowa. So, uh, I went hat, visor and bucket hat very often. Um and it's funny because I represent a player that wears a bucket hat all the time now. So uh it's kind of worlds collide. But yeah, definitely hat majority of the time, uh unless the sun goes under. Perfect. Yeah, those bucket hats are coming
0: back. We see a lot lot more of those anymore, it seems like. Yeah.
3: Should have never went away.
0: They're, yeah, they're amazing. True. Um, what's your wedge setup right now on your bag?
3: Oh my wedge setup. I'm kind of uh, I have a little bit of a bias, but I have a, I've always had a 60, a 56 and a 52. I tried for about two months to go to the 58, 54, but I just, I hit it so far. I need my wedges very often and my touch is about zero. So I couldn't finesse a 58 and I couldn't finesse a 54 or I couldn't step on a 54. So uh 60, 56, 52 is where I go. Like it. And then
0: uh, last one here to start with, what's your favorite nickname in golf? Ha.
3: Well, uh, there's some that I might not be able to say because I don't <laughs> know if I can. There's a couple, of, uh, there's some caddy nicknames. So I've seen your guys' bracket that you've been going through. And there's a couple that aren't on there that I'm fairly disappointed in. I'll tell you two nicknames. One of them I will not tell the story behind, and I'll just let it ride. And the other one, I'll tell you the nickname. And it's actually the the same person that has the nickname, which is odd. But Bird Dog is the name of a caddy, right? He hunts like he's going to find your ball. That's just the reality. And then also his other nickname, and you can bleep this out, I don't know, but it's Slapdick. (laughs) so you'll see him on the range and some people say like, slappy what's up or they'll say what's up bird dog it's one or the other based on how well you know him so i won't tell any of the stories behind it but those are some very good uh nicknames and he caddies for ches rebe so he's the man
0: awesome love it that uh th- that's what uh that's what we're excited about we want to hear some of these uh these range stories behind the, behind the curtain a little bit. So good. Well, hopefully that, uh, sets the premise here a little bit for our listeners. Um, and, uh, Jason, you want to, want to jump in and uh, talk with him a little bit more about a round he had recently.
2: Yeah, we, uh, in talking with you a little bit, uh, you know, it sounds like you're involved with a pretty special round here recently uh, that got a little bit of publicity on Twitter and uh, with the PGA Tour Pro and some other professional athletes. And uh, what can you what can you tell us about that day and how special a day it was and uh, some of the things that went on?
3: Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll tell the listeners a little bit what happened, but I uh we set up a casual round it was i play so joel damon is a pga tour guy he's one of our our, he works with us and i work with him i've actually played with joel when i was a professional turns around he needed a management team so our our team kind of jumped in and and we've been helping him for the last 18 months or so um so I played with him on Wednesday, and we were playing at, at TPC Scottsdale, the Champions Course, not the Stadium Course. The Champions Course is actually way better than the Stadium Course, which most people don't know. Uh, so we're playing the Champions Course, and all there's a we had a group of four of us. It was pretty simple, casual. Kyle Schwarber was in the group behind us, and I know Kyle, so Kyle, I'm on the range, and I get like a chest bump from behind. I was like, oh, I just got like tackled. What the heck? I turn around and he's like, Debo, what's up? So Schwarber, and I was like, I didn't know you were still, you know, with all this Corona and everything going on, I didn't know that this was still happening, that he was still here and whatnot. So I'm like, dude, let's play golf. If you're out playing golf, I didn't, you know, I was never going to assume you wanted to go play golf. He's like, all right. So oddly enough, Joel and Kyle are very similar, like personalities. They're just happy, go lucky, like go along with it. Just fun type of dude. So we're like, hey, let's go play. Well, Friday worked out. So we're like, all right, let's go play Friday. So we got a, Joel set up, and he got two, two uh, uh, of his buddies, Brandon Harkins, who plays on, on tour, and then uh, Mike Davidson, who is a realtor here in town. It's a member at uh, his club in Mesa. And so I text Schwerbs and, and uh, Hap, and they're like, yeah, let's go play. You know, you guys can play with Joel. So we're tossing T's on the first T, we're like, all right, so Joel and Brandon can't be on the same team, so they're obviously opposites. Me and Ian can't be on the same team, so we were opposites. So we flipped a T, so it was me and Joel. I was like, all right, yeah, great. Boy, am I glad it turned out that way, (laughs) right? Um, So we went out, and it was nothing special. Ian bird Ian eagled the first hole and I'm like okay good talk. He showed up, walked to the first tee. He just got done working out and he had to go get a salad or you know whatever. He's eating healthy. It's stupid. He's not eating meat. We give him crap for it. So um, Ian was actually playing great through the first. Well, I shouldn't say that. He went eagle double, so that kind of offset in a hurry on a short little part three. Move five holes in and and. You know, we had the, what is it? The fifth hole, I think. One, two, three, four. Yeah, fifth hole a par five. Goes over a hill, down a hill, par five. And out of the six people, we had an eagle and five birdies. Wow. <laughs> so it was a pretty, we're like, okay, we're golfing today. And there was no crazy bets. We had like $10 auto two downs. If you get murdered, you'll lose a hundred bucks. Like it, you have to absolutely get hammered. Usually it's like a 20, $30 exchange at the end of the day. Most of the time it's usually a push. So we get through the, the on nine Joel hits driver. I think he had uh, like two Oh eight in cause I, he was right next to me. He hit six iron. I hit seven iron. He hit his to like 15 feet, drains a putt. Okay, he made an eagle. He shot whatever it was, four under on the front, I think. I don't, even, I don't remember because everything was kind of a blur from that point on. And all of a sudden, he just kept going. And the reason I think he played so good is he was more concerned about our team just kicking their ass than anything else. So he wasn't even considering his score. So we're sitting there talking, and him and Schwarber just going back and forth the whole time. So Schwarber would top a drive that he gets a a stroke on, barely make it past the women's tee, hit an eight iron to 15 feet, and he's like, stroke hole, you know, like screaming. We're like, this is ridiculous, like the whole time. So then we get to 14, and Mike and I were riding in a cart together, and he goes, hey, uh, Joel's making a lot of birdies and eagles. And I was like, yeah, he kind of is, isn't he? What is he? And at that point, we started like putting it together, we're like, well, if he birdies out, you know, he could shoot like 60, 59. Well, then he eagled the next hole. And we're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so end of the to make a long story that's already long shorter, he shot 58. Two guys in the group, Ian and Mike, shot 69. I made six birdies, a lot of bogeys. I shot 71. Schwarber played pretty bad and shot 81, and he just got reamed for that, which was pretty funny because it was pretty good for him, because he doesn't, he just started golfing like pretty heavy in the last year and a half or so, um, and so we got to the end of the round and and he had a 15 foot putt down a hill slider right to left on 18. He was on the back fringe to a back left pin, and he hit it and he made it. And Joel's like, ah. Oh! I've never shot 60 here before. That's great. And we're like, you shot 58. He goes, what? And he threw his putter in the air, just started making laps, ran straight to the cooler and got a, like a cooler full of white claws. And we're just all going nuts. So it was pretty fun. And we were like, all right, we got to take, we're going to get absolutely hammered for it, but we're going to take a picture because you have to for 58. So um, that was kind of the quickest version I could talk about a 58.
1: So, I got the scorecard right here in front of me. Okay. So, he was – he's two under. Joel is two under after seven and goes birdie, eagle, birdie, par, birdie, eagle, par, birdie, 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 eagle, 26 on the back.
3: Yeah. It was dumb. That's incredible. He he blacked out. I think we all blacked out because we were just all like, what is happening? And we were just giving him crap like nothing happened. We didn't want him to know about it. Uh, And so he just kept rolling. And when you see somebody that's in the zone, and you talk about in the zone as an athlete all the time, it's hard to explain. But when you see it, I've experienced it one time. Obviously, that was one of his times. But he's done it before on multiple levels. But it's, it's, just fascinating to watch them go through it, and then you, you like. I woke up the next day and was like, "I can't believe I saw that!" Like, it's pretty. I mean, I've shot fifty fives and four man best shots and 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 strawberry, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like they have an eight inch cup, and we'll shoot forty nine. Like that's fun, but fifty eight. It was it was absurd. It was a lot of fun.
2: Was there a was there a particular shot that he hit that day that kind of sticks out in your mind that was? you know something spectacular or was he just just really really good all day and just kind of was going with it
3: yeah I mean he just hit drives he was hitting wedges to and and seven six irons to 10 to 20 feet and just making putts I will say that the the funnest the funniest part of the entire day on the first par five on the back which is 13, I believe it goes up a hill. It's kind of dog leg left and then it goes up a hill. It's elevated. So everybody pretty much had a good drive there. So we had four people that had Eagle putts and we had uh, two guys that, that were just make par and they didn't care because everybody else was for Eagle. So it was kind of irrelevant. So I putted for, no, Brandon Harkins putted first, drained his Eagle putt from probably 30 feet. So they made three at this point we were just hammering them. So we were giving them crap. So he stepped up. He's like, I'm making Eagle. And he did. I hit mine. I left it like two rolls short and Joel's giving me crap to help the team naturally. So Joel, again, he's above the hole. If you know this hole, it's a slippery putt. He literally looks at Brandon and he goes, this is going in. And he hits the putt and you have to hit it so slow because the greens were fast, hits the putt, runs to the hole has the hole between his legs looking up the hill, bends over with his hand in the cup, and the ball, he's waiting for it for probably three to four seconds. It falls in, grabs it, and he just runs to the next tee. And I was like, (laughs) "Ah, what just happened? This is great. So that was probably like the – it was just funny. And he did it just because that's who he is, not because he was like, hey, I'm on record to do something. He did it because it was just hilarious. So
1: you're talking about this course, how you know you say it's it's the better of the two, and I I was looking at that scorecard. Are the two nines just completely different? They certainly are from a yardage perspective. At
3: least looking at the scorecard, do they do they feel a lot different when you're playing them? Uh, not really. I mean, the, it's it's tight as a bowling alley the whole way around that place. So the only thing you're ever thinking about is like you got to hit fairways and you got to hit greens. So. You do that, you'll shoot good there, and and that's what he did. So they're they're all. You can't really bomb and gouge it because there's trees and bunkers right off the fairway. You gotta hit the fairway and make the best out of it. It sounded like you guys putted well though too. That had to have been a nice. Yeah, it's always nice to play on fast greens. Faster the better. I'll I'll putt on 15s all day long. You get get me on a seven and I'll four putt multiple times. <laughs> I was gonna say you get back up this way and you're lucky to get over eleven, twelve probably around yeah, here. we wouldn't know, know. about that. Might be using a hybrid to get the ball in the air and roll a little bit. Hey, so
0: so speaking of back up this way, um let's let's transition a little bit and talk uh talk about growing up uh here in Iowa and um yep. in the Cedar Valley area and uh really um, when you started to fall in love with the game of golf, and
3: and kind of what it was like playing high school golf here in Iowa. Yeah, well, uh, I I always tell people I love where I'm from. I mean, I I'm a very proud Iowan, and I I wear it on my sleeve everywhere I go. So there's there's no hiding it. And and um, I grew up around the game because my grandpa, my dad, my uncle would always play. I grew up in a a very close family of like extended family, but I was the only grandson. So anytime there was family outings, it was like the boys were going to golf. So basically they were like, well, if you're golfing, you got to take Derek because otherwise you're going to be playing house and dress up with the chicks, (laughs) which I had to do plenty of time. So, you know, it was my, when my dad wanted to play, it was take Derek or you're not going to play. Basically it's kind of what my mom gave him the ultimatum. So I grew up, I went to, I call it uh, a TPC at Irv Warren nowadays, but it was uh, Burns <laughs> Park when I was growing up. Uh, so uh, me and my buddies, my mom would drop me off at, at eight o'clock, before eight o'clock, she'd go into work, give me five bucks for a, a hot dog, some fries, and two ice cream cones for the day. Uh, every single day, that's what I did. Andy Devine was there. I knew Andy from the time I was probably seven years old through my professional career and there's not a better human being on the planet. Um, so there's just little things like that, that I just absolutely love and uh, am and, and very proud of. And, and to this day, just being able to, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly close with Zach when I see him out on tour because we just both love Iowa. So when I, I he'll see me walking around soon. And we're like, he's like, Debo, did you see the recruit we just got? You know, he's talking Hawkeye football. That's all he talks about. So we'll sit and we'll talk in the range for five, 10 minutes about the Hawks, anything. So it, to, to me, it's just super fun to that capacity to know that, you know, that's, that's who I am. That's what made me. And, and um, I, I think a lot of people respect the Midwest more than most people. So, you know, I, I love putting that stake in the ground and, and saying that's where I'm from, no doubt. Well, I mentioned
1: right before we got on here that, Derek, you and I actually played in two golf well I'll call them tournaments but probably golf meets um it was the uh the district golf meet uh two years in a row what year so this had been 2002 and 2003 so we played at Highland Park in Mason City
3: oh gosh yeah
1: so if you remember uh that those districts were loaded hard a lot a lot of good golfers you talk about
3: well, I'm nervous like, about what you're gonna tell me. I
1: shot. So, so your team, uh, <laughs> your team was good. Uh, and didn't you? Have, wasn't there like a, like was it Josh Tink or something? Was he just a basketball? Yeah. He was a good basketball so, player too, right?
3: Yeah. So Josh and I played basketball together. Jason loved Josh Tink because he guarded him all the time. <laughs> But, yeah, the the joke that we always had is that uh, on our basketball team is I had 500 rebounds and 1,000 points. Jason can attest to why.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Now I'm on the other side of that spectrum where I was the guy backing up the shots and not rebounding.
3: Yeah, I chased your (laughs) rebounds too. Don't worry.
2: (laughs) I missed plenty of them.
3: So then there
1: was – then obviously being in Mason City, uh, Mason City, Newman would have been there, and Derek Thomas, who probably was a teammate of yours, Correct. Uh, at UNI. For at I, Yeah, he okay. played for a year or two years, I think. Okay. And then Sumner was there, and they were a yeah, little yeah, Oh, yeah. They were, they were really good. Um, Sumner I made think, me
3: nervous a lot.
1: <laughs> they were good. I think NU High had a really good player. Yeah. Um, Blake Hibben. Yeah, Blake Hibben. So um, when we start naming off all these really good golfers, I'm obviously a little bit out of uh, my element. Um, but I will tell you what you shot. In uh, two thousand three, you okay, won. You won the district golf meet. I did. You shot sixty nine. Wow. I shot seventy nine. Okay, so you <laughs> you beat me. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you won. And that was a good right. district. That and that's that was good my sport. junior year. Nope. Two thousand two, you said. Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then we also played in two thousand two, and we tied. You and I tied.
3: What did we so, shoot?
1: We shot 77. Yikes. And I'll t- I'll tell you how I shot 77. I made nine pars to start the round. I started on the back nine. Felt good. I made nine pars. Um, and then I got to uh, number three at Highland. It's a short par three. And I missed clubbed. It's that one with two greens. One's one's up in the – one's elevated and one's lower. Miss clubbed, went out of bounds, and I shot 41 on my back nine, which would have been the front nine. So I do remember that. I wouldn't know what you're – breakdown was but i did want to let everybody know that i did at least tie you one time
3: that's fair yeah that's good good for good for you that's awesome yeah where where awesome. was that what where did we play that that where was a, tied? that was so at was highland Highlands park too? both of them are at, both
1: of them are at highland park yeah okay i hated that course it's it, it's two totally different nines the reason why i would make nine pars on the back nine is there is nothing to get in trouble you just get to grip yeah. it rip it, and then go try to make a putt here and there. That front well, then the nine, other ones, you're, you're hitting,
3: like, yeah, you hit iron putter.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, a par five, you'd go iron, iron,
3: you know, to get yeah. there.
1: They're, they were that short. Yeah, it's a, the, two totally different nines.
3: See, I would always uh, t- try to take driver over the trees because I was stupid. So, I would just try to hit it as far as I could. I'm like, if I hit driver good, I'm going to hit a wedge in here. Why would I not do that? Well, there's reasons, people. There's reasons. Well, you did shoot sixty because miles. you got that because you because you'll tie Lee. That's why you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that was a bad idea on your part. So, uh, where, where did we finish that year then? Uh,
1: that year, we were one stroke away from from qualifying individually. Uh, right. We never really had a chance as a team. I mean, those teams were just too good um, for us. I mean, we were yep. we had a bunch of guys that were probably going to try to shoot eighty, and that just wasn't going to get the job done. I mean, yep. you see, Sumner. I mean. If they shot 300, you know, that might be a high score for them
3: some days. They were good. Yeah, they were a little spoiled. I, we always had – so we would always walk around. Here, this is kind of funny. We'd have meets, and we would walk around. We had four guaranteed guys that could go to a meet. You know, you, you have to fill a team. And we would literally be begging to have somebody else come to the meet so that we'd have an option at a fifth score. No, we'd, we'd have somebody fill in. He'd shoot like one 10 ruck. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Put a little pressure on the first four guys to actually do something. So that was, a, that was our high school team. At least you had a team to fill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they weren't, we weren't all good,
1: but we had a team. Love it.
2: So Lee's hanging his hat on being 0-1-1 against Derek for his uh, career.
1: it's hockey, I got a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> that's, that's it.
2: Uh, love it, love it. Well, after a, a decorated high school career, Derek, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what went into your decision with deciding to attend the University of Northern Iowa. And tell us a little bit about your college career and the experience you had there for your four years.
3: Yeah, well, uh, I didn't really necessarily know what i was going to do going uh from i was a really late commit going to uni because i didn't know if i I still kind of wanted to play basketball so i was actually i was talking to wart bird pretty heavily i was looking at you know all the d2 d3s all over the place um because i just couldn't fathom life without basketball still at that point but some reason i made the decision that i was just going to focus on golf uh I don't know why, but it turned out okay. Um, and I chose you and I mainly because a lot of the people that you just after mentioned were going there. You know, like Kyle Teeling and I just, we loved playing with each other in high school. Ben Hanson, who went to Columbus, uh, him and I played a lot of golf, junior golf against each other. So um, we just connected and and they were all going there. So uh, Berm and I uh, made that commitment to be able to, or he offered me to come and, and uh, I was excited to do it. So uh, I, I look back and I tell people to this day that going to and I was one of the better things that I've done, uh, mainly because I learned so much from Byrne about the game of golf, about how you treat people, how you still have fun doing it. Like golf should never control your life. And, and it's funny because we go, we'd go into college tournaments and we go to you know you have the the coaches are at the par 3s and they're telling you all this stuff and you know helping you and every time we would walk off a of par 3 all the other teams would look at us and be like your coach is awesome like i wish our coach was fun I'm like he is i got nothing bad I, I can't say anything other than he's great and so it made the the time you and i a lot of fun Uh, He helped me really understand the organizational structure behind golf and how to be better. Uh, If I'm being honest, I never cared about the swing. I just hit hard and hope. And he knew that, which was kind of cool. He would help me a little bit, uh, but he still never really like, he just knew I didn't want lessons. I, I didn't think that way. I wasn't a, you know, position A to position B. Like I was just, I'd be mind screwed if I did that. Um, he just let me go play and uh, he just helped me manage the course more than manage my swing which uh, was a big deal for me so loved you and I just as a whole you know we were really good at basketball then um, funny thing is like McDermott was the coach of our basketball team then well his son worked with my wife at Pheasant Ridge which is where I was well she wasn't my wife at the time it was my girlfriend, and. Now I like talk to McDermott's all the time. They come down. Doug and, and Nick, the the brothers, coach was down here a couple weeks ago, and still get to play with them. So like you and I has just been so good for me, and the again the whole Iowa connection. So uh, I have nothing but amazing things to say about you and I. And I'm again very proud to put my you and I stake in the ground and and uh, claim that's where I'm from. And what did you study uh, during your time at you and I? Yeah, so I studied electronic media and public relations. So um, I, I kind of fell into it. I didn't really go in with a plan other than to play golf. <laughs> um, and then I just said, you know, what, what do I, I got through the first year and just found out what kind of interests me. So I went into communications, kind of started down that route, realized I didn't want to do just PR. So I started, I was like, hey, I want to be a sportscaster. Right. And then I got out of college and I realized they make a penny, a dollar, a penny a day, pretty much. And I was like, well, maybe I'll use the degree for something else. And so um, that kind of evolved. And, and uh, but yeah, I, I loved it. The, the people that I met there and I see some of my classmates that do just these killer things now. And they're, they live in L.A. and Hollywood and New York. And it's just really fun to kind of follow them and, and stay with them, which has been really a, a fun thing for me.
0: So then after school, then you decided to go ahead and uh, take the traditional route and get a desk job, uh, yeah. but that didn't last too long. Uh, what was behind the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to chase this dream and I'm going to try to get back into golf?
3: Yeah, well, I uh, Jamie, my wife, was living in Minneapolis going to college at the time, and so for me, it was like, you know, I'm going to do the, the American dream and the, the dog and the two and a half kids and one and a half. Dogs and a white picket fence, or whatever it is, you know. That's just, I guess, what I'm supposed to do. So I was just doing it, and one thing led to another. And every time we'd go back to Iowa, I had some some people that that were I'd consider mentors, and they just saw me growing up, and they're like, "Really? You stopped golfing?" I was like, "Yeah." You know, I never really considered the professional route, to be honest. Not one time. Until these people just started talking about, like, "Why'd you quit?" What? said I didn't quit I graduated (laughs) you know Um, and and I just kept kind of going down a path of why do these people keep asking me this like there's got to be something to it so my wife and I just kept talking about it and we just felt like one thing led to another and it was just kind of God putting in front of us this opportunity we're young she she was 21 I was 23 we were newly married if we if, if we're gonna do this now's the time we're not gonna sit and wait and um, I just didn't want to play the what if game uh, with all these people kind of talking to me and asking me, uh, are, are you going to turn pro? Are you, gonna, are you ever going to try? And I was like, well, if I'm ever going to do it, it's going to be now. I'm not going to go 10 years and then be like, hey, let's try it, you know? So I did the untraditional thing, though, is I sat behind a desk, got worse at golf, and then I turned pro. So that's what I would not recommend doing to other people because it's a lot harder to get your game back.
1: This 2Pup podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty, for all your real estate needs. Turning pro had to be a pretty uh, big dream come true for you and um, obviously changed your life a lot, but what did that look like? What type of um, Tours,
3: tournaments, that kind of thing, were you playing when, when that started? Yeah. So we moved to Arizona. Uh, I didn't really know what professional golf looked like. We packed up our house in Minnesota. What fit in our Toyota 4Runner and our 12x6 U-Haul that we rented, we took with us. And what didn't, we sold. <laughs> so it was natural selection of our stuff for my wife, which was great. We got down here, and I just started like meeting people. What do we do? What are you doing? Where are you playing? What does it look like? You know, it started asking questions. I'm a people guy. I love talking to people. Um, And so I just kind of found what the best options were. So for me, uh, if I wanted to make it and I gave myself, I said, if I, if I try this and if I'm 30 years old and I don't have my tour card, I'm done period. I'm going to give it everything I have until I'm 30. And I'm not going to be that guy that's 35 or 40 and still like, yeah, I'm good at golf. I'm going to make it. I'm like, there's more to life than golf. You know, there really is. And it's not, it wasn't, I won't say it wasn't, but it's not my identity and who I am. So it it was what I did and I was, I was decent at it. Um, so I went to the Hooters tour, <laughs> which uh, it, it doesn't, I don't think it exists anymore. It has like 50 different names since I've played on it. Um, So I was out there with, you know, I don't know if you know these names, but like the Ted Potter juniors and, and like Patton Kazire, I played with Tim out there. He's a really good buddy of mine. So I see him out there all the time. And uh, a lot of these guys that I played with on the Hooters tour, Scott Stallings that were way better than me are now out on the tour. So now I see my friends that, I played with and I sucked comparatively and now they're on tour. So I get to just watch them. So it's fun for me because I, I know them and played with them and it, they just progressed and I just stayed the same or got worse. So that's where I decided, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, hang it up. I didn't, I, I went to Q school five times. I got to second stage three out of the five times. And, and I was just, I was over the grind. It just, it didn't, uh, I'd sit over a 15 foot putt. And uh, I didn't care if I made it or not. And at that point, it was just time to to move on and and uh, be real with myself, not hang on to a dream that me or somebody else had for me.
2: You just mentioned, you know, while you were talking, all I could think about was the grind. That's that's the thing that came into my mind, and uh, yeah. you know, the entire process that it takes. And I, uh, you know, I've obviously playing professionally, and uh, you had a, a chance to to be on. The big break, Greenbrier, in 2013, and so uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and what that was like too.
3: I mean, I was the first guy out, so (laughs) I got a free two-week vacation at the Greenbrier, which I guess is fantastic, right? Um, No, I mean it was great. I met I met good people, and and honestly, it was nothing I ever sought out to do. It just somehow it happened. We were at a, uh, a mini tour event here in Phoenix, and they were doing auditions and. My buddy's like, you should go try out. I'm like, why would I try out? I've never watched the show. I think it's stupid. Like a reality golf show. It can't be that good, can it? He goes, just go talk to him. I'm like, no, I'm practicing. I'm not going to go talk to these guys. So we, we sat there and I was putting for probably another 40 minutes. He goes, so you're going to go talk to him? I said, no, I'm not going to talk to them. Like, I'm like, that's dumb. I'm not going on the show. So then I go and I get hit balls. I was done with my short game. And he went and talked to him for me. He said, Hey, he's going to come over in a few minutes. And so the producer, TJ, who's a good buddy of mine now comes over and he's like, Hey, you want to come talk to us? I said, not really, but I feel like I have to now. So I did. I went and talked to him and, uh, one thing led to another and they just kept calling me and like, Hey, we think you'd be good for this. I'm I'm playing golf. So it's up to you. I don't really care what you do. And, uh, they chose me to be on the show for some reason, and uh, it was it was fun. I mean, it, it's I look at reality TV a lot differently now. because I'm like, oh look, that was staged. Oh look, that was <laughs> that was the 14th time that they did that walk into that room, or you know, whatever it is. So there's a, there's a lot of fun things that came out of it, and some good relationships and um, contacts and things like that's how I look at things as like a long game. I always have. So uh, it was it was a blast, and the Greenbrier is an amazing place.
0: And then, uh, did you, did you do a little caddying before getting 100. on over or how did that, how did that transition happen? Uh,
3: well I was, where, how did that specifically happen? So I was in the quad cities working during the John Deere classic. Um, and I just had a lot of friends there and Josh Teeter, who's a, who is a tour player, uh, His caddy was sick and he knew I was there. So he goes, Hey, can you caddy for me today? Because I don't like, I don't know anybody. I know you're here because you live around here. And, you know, I said, Yeah, sure. So I caddy for him a day. We had a lot of fun. We played good. Um, He called me probably, let's see, that would have been in usually July, August, September. So he called me about two months later. Hey, would you ever consider caddying full-time? At that point, like I'd gone through all my Q schools. I was like, I'm kind of done with this. I don't really know what I'm going to do next. I thought about caddying, didn't really know how I was going to do it. You kind of fall into caddying, but we, every caddy you'll talk to, it's who you know and how you got into it. So that's really how it, it evolved. And, and Josh was wanted to bring me out for the playoffs. And so uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. So I started with Josh Teeter. We did that fall. Um, and then it was one thing led to another and Ryan Blom, who's a good buddy of mine, uh, was looking for full time for the whole season. Well, Josh had kind of conditional status on both PGA tour and web.com at the time as a caddy. That's really hard because you don't know until the week before where you're going, you're not making a lot of money. It costs a lot to book travel five days before you leave. Uh, so I kind of went with Ryan and, and picked a horse and Ryan's just a, a really good dude. And, and, uh, we had a lot of fun on, on multiple levels just as friends and, and he knew I was a good golfer. So he trusted me. And, and I think that's where a lot of it came from is they knew that I, I had a playing background. So I knew from their aspect, what to look for. Um, so that's really kind of how I got into it. And I did that for a few years uh, before getting out of golf and, and kids kind of do that to you, I guess. So that's what pushed me out of the caddy scenario which
0: then pushed you into, I believe your current position, right? Where, uh, you're at maker sports
3: now. I, I worked actually for a, a sales company. I, I helped run a sales company for about four years after. So I was doing that. And then that kind of evolved into this, that, that I kept telling my wife, you know, we'd talk all the time. Like, I don't know what I would do if I left. Cause I really enjoy what I'm doing. I'm in a pretty good spot. I've, flexibility is huge for me and I have pretty good flexibility. Um, but I feel like it'd be in golf and I don't really know what it is. Just golf is in me and it's who I am and it's not who I am, but it's what I know, you know? Um, and so this, yeah, maker sports just kind of came up and, uh, Jeremy Moore, who is Ryan Moore's brother approached me and said, Hey, Ryan and I have been talking and we, the, the the more family is awesome, the more you get to know them. And, and they're just very entrepreneurial. They like to think outside the box. And and uh, Ryan is just a great human being, as as are his brothers, Jeremy and Jason. So they have True Linkswear, which is the shoe company. They have uh, just an umbrella of co- golf courses, commercial real estate, all kinds of stuff. And they wanted to start a sports management company. So they kind of came to me and said, hey, we we'd love for you to come on with us to... Help start this part of our company, uh, with Jeremy. Jeremy's obviously been doing it for 15 years, but he wanted a partner to come alongside him. So it's not just him growing it. And, uh, Jamie and I just looked at each other kind of blown away that this literally came out of nowhere, um, through a conversation that Jeremy and I had playing golf is all it was, you know, business happens on the golf course and, that's always how I have looked at it and and through the connections through this game, they've just been incredible. So it's been really fun uh, to be involved and we started it last January. So we're what a year and a half into our technical business, uh, which has been great. So, explain a little bit more about what what is it that you guys do, and um,
0: you know what's your mission, and then maybe a little bit. You mentioned it before. You're always kind of thinking long game. What's the what's the long game with this? I know you guys are just starting out, but uh, I assume you have a plan here moving forward.
3: Yeah. So, uh, with makers, I mean, we we are different, I would say, than most agencies. You know, we I guess you can consider us a, a sports management company, a sports agency, right? You get those big box, the Wassermans, the IMGs, the, you know, the mega ones. Well, we are that essentially, but we're a lot different because we're, there's two of us. So we're a lot more nimble. We can make decisions a lot faster. We don't have to report to anything or anybody, which is fun um, other than each other, uh, which is, which is a pretty easy conversation to have. And, and for us, our mission is really just to, to allow our athletes to simply do what they do best, which most cases is just play golf, right? Just go play and let us take care of everything else. Let us take care of your marketing, your advertising, everything that you need to do on that aspect, everything that needs to be between a business and their marketing in regards to you. Let us be the one that says, no, let us be the one that says, yes, let's do this. Let's make this idea happen. And, Literally, we'll just tell them this is what's going to happen. They're like, cool, sounds good, right? So, we want to simplify it to the point for the player that I can tell them: here's two sentences of what's happening. Go play golf. Are you okay with that? Yep, great. And then, obviously, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes to make things happen. Uh, you know, like jo- Joel for example. Joel's Joel's a cancer survivor. Um, not now, a lot more people do know that they didn't really before. Uh, but we kind of asked him, "Do you want to tell that story?" And and he 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 felt like he was at a point that, you know, he was a good enough golfer. He was he was actually had a little bit of a stage on the PGA Tour now, and and so he did. So we kind of took it and ran and and started connecting the dots with MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is one of the biggest cancer centers in the in the country. And he's now their ambassador, and he has the cancer strike through on his hat, which I can't tell you how fun it is to have a, a, a very organic partnership and, and, and style that fits a person, that fits a company. But then you hear the stories of people that send me messages wanting to reach out to Joel saying, hey, I'm sitting in a hospital right now getting chemo. And I saw this, what, is, what does this hat mean? And to be able to tell that story, like there's nothing more I'd rather be doing than what i'm doing right now and and it's because it i actually feel like i can make a difference i know it's through golf and through players and you know there's all this cool stuff that comes along with it but it's all the little things that people don't see that really makes it fun and enjoyable and and um you know there's somebody that you guys know very well is is mike molstead right uh at least jason does i know he's gone through lots of cancer he's a charles city guy he was actually texting me right now oddly enough i don't know what he said but you know being able to connect him we now have like some cancer stuff and i can just give him some things that are like tour like little things like that that are tour issue only mike here you go try this and it says cancer like there's no better person in the world that should wear a hat like that than someone like that and now he can tell that story and this story can just evolve and um just being able to connect those dots is, is really what we love to do at Makers and, and listen to players and what they want out of their career as opposed to what dollar can I bring them today. So our long game, uh, I would say, is more to, to make an impact for players on, on people and to make an impact for players in their community, in their partnerships, yeah, money is great for them, but we want that to be irrelevant. We want it to be more about what are they, what are they doing, and how does it look from the the community aspect and that standpoint. Because at the end of the day, you can't take your money with you. You know, so for us, it's it's really leaving that legacy of man, that was a great dude, and he talked to me. You know we're not going to work with people or be associated with people that don't want to have that type of mindset.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Like you mentioned, obviously legacy and just how you're remembered and the impact in which that you can have on people is, is so big. And obviously in this crazy world uh, that we live in, we have a lot going on. So to have someone that you can partner with like you guys to be able to help with, with some of that little stuff, to be able to make sure that your story is being told and, and being told the right way for the right reasons. Um, that's really great, love to see it obviously love to see promote those types of guys and obviously promote the game of golf as well
3: yeah it's it's a fun spot to be in, so uh, i I try not to take it for granted as often as i as often as i can
0: let's uh transition then we'll take the spotlight off of you here uh, directly, Derek, for a little bit, and uh, let you jump sure. into some of our extras and some of the stuff that uh, we like to do here on the podcast and uh, uh, I think first one, Lee, you got a question that we're going to start off here with Derek.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we've asked a, a lot of questions of you so far, but the question that we all want to know is who is going to win the match this weekend with, with Tiger and Peyton and Phil and Tom Brady. Who's winning that thing and who why? You got? Who do you got? Let me ask I, you first. I can't, I can't not pick Tiger. Like, I, I have to. Like, if I have a chance to pick Tiger, I'm going to pick him. Although I will say having Phil as your pro in a, a setting like we're going to have on Sunday, he does bring that little extra piece that I think we kind of missed in the, the match the last weekend. He has a ton of personality. I, I don't think there'll be anybody that has more fun than Phil does that day. So that would I would say they're gonna have an advantage, but I can't not pick Tiger.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, I kind of get bored with these things. <laughs> Cause I probably would want to pick Tiger. The reason I get bored is because I know they can't say what they want to say because it's on TV. So for me, I'm like, can we just put this on something you can actually like let them talk? Because it, it's fun when you actually are in the ropes and you hear them talking. But I would probably pick – who is it? It's Tiger and Brady? No, Tiger, Tiger and Peyton. Peyton. Tiger and Peyton. Uh, I, I'm probably going to have to go with the nationwide is on your side team. <laughs>
0: yeah, Absolutely.
3: I like I, it. I nationwide mean, that's the thing.
0: I think – you know, he's got a little extra year. He's been had a chance to play a little bit more. I do think, lead to your point, you had to throw Peyton in there and his personality. At least you'll have one on one side of the aisle and then Phil on the other side. Um, Tom and Tiger will probably be too serious and be kind of forced funny. But uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I, I'm, I'm definitely on the Tiger side. But uh, I don't know. I, hopefully, hopefully, it's a little bit more fun.
3: Uh, we get a little bit more out of all these guys. Hopefully, Tom hits more fairways uh, than Phil.
2: <laughs> i'm a little concerned with tom being on his game since he's got these uh he's got those guys down in tampa doing their workouts and getting together and adjusting to the new system so I, I i don't think that i'd want to be on tom's team for this matchup but
0: he might be he might be like dj last weekend just show up an hour before and walk out with his clubs ready to go yeah
2: it'll be yeah it'll be you know it'll be fun and obviously it's you know to get to get people watching and tuning into the tour again and obviously uh, everybody's thriving for those live sports. So sticking with the theme on tour here, uh, we've talked on the podcast a little bit about some guys, uh, you know, doing some of our, whose career would you rather have? And we talked a little bit before we jumped on here. And uh, one of those names was Bubba Watson that uh, I think us three all had differing opinions on him. Uh, I think Brian was a little bit more anti-Bubba. I was kind of in the middle and Lee was a little bit more pro-Bubba. So I know you mentioned a little bit of him having a maybe our our impersonation of him or our what we see of him being a little bit different than what it is. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: All right, Brian. Brian, tell me your beef with Bubba. That's what I want
0: to hear. <laughs> well, the the funny thing about it is I was actually talking to these guys about it. And I, I'm like, I don't think that there's any particular thing that he's really said or done that I can isolate to be like, that's why I don't like him.
3: So um, you're fake news. It's fake news. Yeah, well,
0: no, it's just it's just what I just watching him and it, you know, a little bit of his antics and just how he kind of goes about things. It's for me, I think it's more so that I just don't like him as much as some of the other guys on tour. So that's quick for me to just be like, write this guy off. And obviously that's only what I see and don't know him on a personal level. As we talked about before we jumped on, I just recently found out that he's, he's good friends with Webb Simpson, who I am a fan of. And so it's just, it's one of those things where from a fan's perspective, he's just not my guy. Okay.
3: Who, who is your guy on tour?
0: Ooh, right now I would probably lean to uh, JT, probably be the guy that I'd okay. like to see win every night out.
3: Okay, fair enough. So, Lee, why 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 are you pro Bubba?
1: Because Bubba hits every shot I wish I could I could hit. Like, I don't want to hit the same shot twice because I don't. Now, I'd also like to have some sort of idea where that shot's going. That's where my shot would – I would not hit the same shot twice. But um, he just seems to – uh, grasp the way that I would want to play golf if I got to choose any way to play golf I would choose it to play it the way Bubba plays it
3: that's fair I like it any any words of wisdom Jace
2: well I, I was in the middle because I said I you know sometimes I feel like you know Bubba the way he, his demeanor on the course sometimes and uh you know the antics people talk about you know sometimes I think that you know has a bad effect but I also said I think he's probably a pretty good dude because he's always, you know, involved with the, the Ryder Cup or President's Cup and he wants to be a vice captain. And, uh, you know, when it was up at Hazeltine, had the chance to go up there and he wanted to be there. And, uh, you know, so he maybe took a little bit of a backseat to the guys that uh, automatically qualified and got picked. And so I was a little bit in the middle that I said, I think he's probably got a little bit of a a misidentification by people of, you know, what he's actually like.
3: Nice. Do you like how I deflected that question back to you guys? <laughs> it was kind of It was, was kind of like, You know, like me and Jason in high school, I just didn't like his antics. You know, he'd make a three and hold his hand up, like, till the other side Mm -hmm. of the court. And I'm like, what are you doing? Put your hand down, you little midget. What are you – get out of (laughs) here.
2: That's why I – that's why I said, you know, there's a misperception there because <laughs> oh, okay. the things are like
3: that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I got it. <laughs>
0: that, that's I, always been uh, what I've always said that too. I'm like, if you if you play against him, you hate him. Like he's one of those dudes that I'm glad yeah. he's in my team. But when you're playing against him, you're like, come on, man. Like, what's the yeah. deal? Do with the I, orange hair, bombing threes, taking charges.
3: Yeah. Well. I, I didn't have orange hair, I didn't bomb threes, but I did take <laughs> charges so I could uh, fit semi into that. And people probably hated me, so I, I can feel that. Um, I would say, I don't know. I, like, obviously I'm very skewed, but I think there's a huge misconception just because of what, what the media shows. Um, there is probably not a more giving Caring, honest person that I've met than Bubba, and and the reason I say that is because what he does, a lot of people just don't see it, right? And uh, he's he's just fun loving majority of the time. He's human the other part of the time, right? Um, so for me, and and the only I'll tell you kind of the story. Uh, this actually evolves around Iowa, so it's very fitting. Um. I was working at Nevada Bob's in Waterloo, Iowa, since I was 14 years old. So I worked there from 14 all the way through college. So I worked there for about seven years. And uh, Ted Scott, who is now Bubba's caddy, would come through and he'd play the Waterloo Open. And I was always working and Ted talks to a wall. So he would talk to me. So Ted would come through and he's like, oh, there's a golf shop. Oh, there's this nice kid in there. They would talk to me. So he'd come in the first day. He literally stayed across the street at the hotel because he knew nothing. This was the first year he played back in it was the early 90s when he was caddying for Azinger. And Azinger wasn't in the British Open yet. No, it was with Grant Waite. And Waite wasn't in the Open. And then he went to Azinger and he still wasn't in yet at the time. So Ted came like four years in a row. So Teddy and I just over the, naturally just started becoming buddies and I'd see him every year and we got numbers and we started texting and um, I was like, oh, cool. I know this PJ Tour caddy. This is great. Oh, hi, Ted. Oh, he's on TV. Oh, look at him. You know, so it was one of those things. And then when I turned pro, uh, Ted found out, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, you're in Scottsdale. We're coming to Waste Management. Let's connect. So we did. So Ted and I, uh, I've literally known Ted more than anybody else on tour in my life um, out there. So I probably, what, that's, I was 14, I'm 35. I've known Ted almost 19 years. So to this day, like, we just see each other and we give each other hugs. like, we talked yesterday. Like, that's just what we do. So naturally through Ted, I'm just always talking to Ted and Bubba would just show up. And that's just kind of what happened and so we were playing they missed the cut at the john deere classic so ted myself joe scovran who is ricky's caddy um there was a fourth one i don't know who it was oh mark karen's i don't know if you know the name mark karen's just google mark karen's golf swing and i hope to god something comes up because it's the best hilarious humanly possible golf swing you'll ever see karen's shout out to you my man uh i love that guy and then ricky bubba and like a member somebody else they were playing behind us i don't know who it is and so ted we were playing at crow valley and in in uh quad cities area and there's a downhill par three i think it's like four five it's like 210 220 it's a beast of a hole he hits it And we're playing, it's like four or five o'clock at night and it literally disappears. And we go nuts just jumping around, like tackling each other. And, and Bubba and Ricky are coming up the other side. I didn't really know either of them at the time, but all of a sudden they just started piling on because they just like, we, Ted made a hole in one. So everybody's just getting in on it. And so we had to get close right? Because you're tackling each other. and We were going nuts. It was great. Well, then this maintenance guy's driving up the hill and he gets to the top and he goes, why are you guys jumping around? Ted's like, I just hit it and went in the hole. He goes, no, it's in the shadow behind the pin. We're like, what? <laughs> so to this day, Ted's like, oh man, that was the greatest hole in one I never hit. It was the it was best. So that kind of like spurred on a little bit of a relationship and just some trust. And uh, there's just a small circle that uh, once you're in golf and they understand you, like, you don't want anything from them, you just treat them as humans. That's that's just how it is. And a lot of the guys are that way. And and uh, that was kind of a way longer story than I anticipated, but that's it was a pretty fun one. So that's kind of how the the Bubba relationship went. And uh, he's he's a great human being. No, that's good. That's uh, yeah. we,
0: we always we're all about clearing the air here a little bit on the podcast, so we, we appreciate that. And that was a uh, that's a great story um okay so a couple more rapid fire questions for you i lied okay. we're not gonna totally take the spotlight off you yet um okay number one uh lowest round ever 60
3: okay favorite okay. iowa course Ooh. tpc airborne doesn't count yeah, it can't it, it, it can. i didn't say best i said your favorite I mean, I grew up on that course, so it'd be hard for me to not say that one. It's not the best one, but man, I love it. Right on. Uh, I'm taking well, my son to play there next week, so that's how excited I am. There, oh, there you go. That'll be that's that. That's where yeah. it's at. Um,
0: so then, how about favorite favorite course ever? So outside of Iowa, where's where's your favorite? Golly.
3: course? Lee. Yeah, I'd probably say anything in the Monterey Peninsula. It's become my wife and I's like favorite place to go to because it's pretty easy to get to from scottsdale um man
0: how would you compare the monterey peninsula to pinehurst area as far as golf
3: destinations i mean it's the ocean versus heat and humidity and i hate humidity so that's probably not a fair question to ask me but i mean pinehurst is pretty ridiculous as well um i mean you get up to new york beth page is unbelievable there's so much good golf in the northeast that i haven't even touched um cuz they're all private cuz those people just have money and you got to go get on but i i i mean i'm for sure biased to monterey monterey california if i were to pick one place to just go live and die the rest of my life i'd probably be it
0: that's a good one all right what about um we talked a little bit about your wedge setup but what's in your bag what clubs are you uh,
3: hitting right now well uh, I just got a new iron set a week and a half ago. So I have the PXG irons. Uh, I have the PXG driver. We work with PXG a lot. So I'm very fortunate when it comes to that. Um, I have a, a Wilson wedges, oddly enough. And uh, let's see. My three wood is a Ping G25 from when I was playing. That I just I can't get rid of it because why would you until it cracks. Um, And that's it. I don't carry a hybrid because I just do three iron, three wood, and that's it. Good. I have I have a Ping Redwood putter uh, that I have had since, golly, 2009 probably and it it gets put on the bench every once in a while but god I just keep going back to it and I can't get rid of it so that's my baby that's a,
0: that's a good relationship to have right there um yep. what uh, what ball are you playing
3: right now I have I play the Pro V the regular one um and then I have I also have been toying a little bit with Tiger's ball just Ryan switched to it so now I get those and I try them so by default i'm like well, i'll try that ball why not might as well might as well you know what's Um, the old the old old caddy saying is if it's free i'll take three yep
0: (laughs) that's that's the way to do it for sure um all right last last uh question here rapid fire question for you and probably the most important one um who should we have on the
3: podcast next oh boy anybody or or iowa related where where does this go (laughs) What, whatever you think. I know you've listened to a
0: few episodes here. Who should we, who should we bring on next to follow you up? Anybody uh, that answers the phone.
3: How about that? Anyone that answers the phone. I mean, so they if, need a call. If our,
1: if our number <laughs> calls. I mean, not if your number calls.
3: Well, it, so does it have to be somebody you played against in high school golf and tied once too? That kind of I doubles mean, it down.
0: I, we're, we just want a personality that has a good story that is fun to talk to. That's all we're
3: looking for. We're not, we're not picky here. Kyle, I've got to I'll, I gotta think about that. Iowa, good. I mean, we could probably make some connections here. But, I mean, personally, I, I think an easy connection to make would be Mikey Mo. Pull him on. Tell him. Have his story. Talk a little business. Talk a little uh, golf. Because I don't know anybody that's more obsessed with golf, unfortunately, than that guy. And he still stripes it
2: i've heard the stories of how good a player he is. never had a chance to play with him yet but uh, hopefully oh, you, you
3: haven't? haven't yeah it's anymore. almost it's almost embarrassing that and i'll say this to his face too but it's almost embarrassing that a, a guy that, of that age can almost keep up with me i'm like what am i doing wrong this is ridiculous
0: perfect well hand. no we appreciate it like i said we're always looking for suggestions and so uh that's good. That's all I have for Rapid Fire. I think Lee wanted to um, ask you a little bit about northern Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I want to hear about where you're going in northern Minnesota. Heard you're going there. Do you go there for the whole summer?
3: Well, yeah, obviously, by nature, what I do, I travel. So for me to stick kids in Arizona while I'm gone with my wife is kind of unfair. So um, we come back to Iowa, they get some good family time, we'll be there for a few weeks, then we'll go up we go just north of Brainerd, about twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes. Um, what courses? Well, it's Pequot Lakes is where we go, so it's right next to Deacon's Lodge. Mm-hmm. So I play Deacon's Lodge a lot in the summer. It's right by Craigans Resort. Um, Deacon's, Deacon's is Arnold Palmer, right? Yep. That course. Yep. Yeah, I played. Yeah, I played it, that one. There's so much good golf in northern Minnesota. It's phenomenal. So it's it's just such a fun place to go. And and I mean. Well, I could easily retire up there in the summer, mm-hmm. which I guess I'm kind of spoiled and I my retired up there right now for weekends anyway in the summer. But it, I mean, it, it's such, such underrated golf across the country in Northern Minnesota. And, and I mean, I just love it up there. You, there's nothing better than a 7am tea time. You're done at ten forty-five. you get home, you shove the boat off, grab a drink and you're floating with a beer. Tell me something better.
1: Yeah. My favorite courses, my favorite courses up there are at Giants Ridge. Have you played those? I haven't. That's it's no. up there further. That would be you know just west of Duluth.
3: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: it's a, a ski resort in the winter, and then uh, two different golf courses. Not not right next to each other, pretty close. But if you get yeah. a chance, I'd recommend going up there. Those two courses are are great. Their their original course is my favorite one up there. It's it's awesome.
3: I'll be honest. We're, I play golf, like to make it convenient and who I'm playing with nowadays, I'm, I'm really bad when it comes to like, Oh, that's a nice course. I'm going to go out of my way to go there. Cause I, I just travel so much. I'm like, is it close? Can I go? Yeah, great. Let's do it. You know? So, I'm it's probably a bad way to look at it. And when I don't have kids, I'll probably be a lot better at that, but Right now I, I go to all these ridiculously nice courses and I just watch people hit balls. So, I mean, I have that going for me, but I don't ever get to swing a golf club on them. So I'm like, yeah, I see all these courses. Can I just go somewhere to play? I just don't want yeah. to travel to watch people swing golf clubs. I get
1: you. No, but it is, you know, it's It's
3: an awesome, awesome golf place though.
1: I think yeah, one, I love it. Like you said, it's is pretty underrated and a lot, a lot of it because people just don't know about it. Yep,
3: I agree. It's awesome.
0: Well, and that's part of that travel thing, too. Getting all the way up to northern Minnesota is no joke. So,
3: Yeah, I mean, it's six hours from, from the loo. So by the time we get up there with the kids, I'm like, we're hunkering in. And I'm, I'll am drive 25 to 30 minutes to go play, but I'm kind of out of it after. I need to be able to get back to the boat by noon is kind of the deal. That's, that's, that's the deal I make with my wife. She so. lets yeah. me golf in the morning. I'll be back in time for boat day.
0: Perfect. Sounds like the life. That's for sure. So, um, well, hey. So one of the things we like to do to wrap up on here, that um, we always have a lot of fun and get get an opportunity to really kind of voice our opinions or feelings or thoughts on, on on everything, is we play a game that we call "Whose Career Would You Rather Have?" And as we've talked about on here before, this kind of ends up turned into a lot more than than whose career. It's uh who did this and who did that or who knows where or who has a cooler life or whatever. But either way, it's just a fun way for us to kind of talk golf and talk about some of the guys that we grew up either watched playing or still playing. And um last week, uh Lee, did you what were the results? I didn't even oh, I don't think I
1: could Twitter. It was it was bad. It was a, a big time uh runaway for Freddie couples. Big time. Uh,
0: that's hard. Fred, Freddie's a fan favorite. So I, I guess I wasn't uh, overly surprised by that. But uh, yeah, so Freddie Couples taking home the win last week. Uh, this week, two guys um, pretty similar as always. Obviously, we were not going to make this easy on anybody. Um, but uh, our careers today and whose career we're matching up are going to be Mark O'Meara uh, versus Davis Love the Third. Um, I have here Mark O'Meara has 34 pro wins, 16 on the PGA Tour, two majors, including um, the Masters and what we refer to as the British Open, both in 98. Um, T4 at the Open in 98 as well. So uh, he definitely um, was, was rolling there back in 1998 uh, versus Davis Love the 3rd who's got 37 pro wins, 21 on the PGA Tour, one major, which is the PGA in 97. A uh, couple uh, second place finishes at the Master uh, and a T two at the Open. Uh, Lee, you, you usually start us off, so let's keep that going. Um, whose career are you taking between these two golfers?
1: Davis Love, the third. He he hit that putt into the rainbow, right? That that made, wasn't that when he when he won that PGA. Wasn't that it, like into the rainbow, if you will? It
0: might have been. Now that you say that, I don't know. I'd have to look back.
1: I don't know. Okay, anyway. The last two uh, people or the last two sets of people, I like kind of stressed out about who I was going to pick. So this time I decided not to do uh, any stressing on it. Um, I'm going, if Jason could tell me, if Davis Love III putted that ball into the rainbow to win the 97 PGA championship, did that happen, Jason?
2: I have no idea.
1: All right, I'm going to pretend like it happened. I'm going Davis Love III. I like the iconic moment, kind of like I talked about with Bubba. You kind of attach a major win to a certain shot. Um, I'm pretty sure that happened. I'm going Davis Love III, putting into the rainbow for the win and the career that I would rather have.
0: I'll be honest. I thought you were going to take the hot streak. You're kind of a hot streak guy, so I thought the 98 hot streak was going to get you. But uh, Davis Love, one vote. Staggy, who do you have?
1: I don't see a lot of myself in Marco Mira. I just don't, I don't see. You could probably fit two of
3: yourselves in Marco Mira. Yeah.
1: I just don't, I don't see, I mean, I know he was boys with tiger. That would have been kind of fun, but I just don't see how I would relate to that guy.
3: Yeah.
2: I looked at this one and I, you know, my first thought was Davis Love the third without knowing much of the background and PJ tour wins. And I just seemed like the more notable guy to me. And, you know, looking at, uh, I put a lot of emphasis on the majors when we've been talking about this stuff and, and specifically the masters uh, is kind of one that I put a lot of emphasis on along with the the British open, open championship, whatever you prefer to call it. Uh, And so I'm going the opposite way. I'm going with Mark Amir here. I don't, I don't think he has the, bigger profile or persona, but I'm going with the guy that has more major wins and that won the masters and won the open.
0: Good, good. That's uh, I like it breaking down the numbers. Uh, Derek, what do you think? Uh, you might have a little more insight maybe on some of these guys and
3: what uh, life's like for them, but uh, whose career are you taking? Well, I didn't look up any numbers. I didn't do any statistical analysis. I'm far from a numbers guy, so I would never be in a financial scenario. But I saw those, and I didn't even have to blink. This is DL3 all the way, without question. Jason could not be further from right.
2: That's Uh, usually the case.
3: That's usually
2: the case.
3: I mean, DL3 is as good of a human being as it possibly could be. He has a lifetime tour exemption. Who wouldn't want that? You can play anytime, anywhere, whenever you want, forever. Hands down, the best exemption you can get. Uh, I don't know what the money scenario is. Top of my head, I'll say Mark O'Mara. Did you? You didn't say numbers for. Uh, maybe O'Mara's maybe made twenty million. Maybe, I would say DL three, probably double that at least. I'm and DL three, huh?
2: I'm going to guess Brian has the numbers on this side of things. He's all about the money.
3: All right. He's all so about go, the money. I'll go Omera with 20, and I'll go DL3 40 to 45 mil. So being a great human being and having 45 mil in the bank because you're really good at a game of golf, and Omera hung out with Tiger, so during a time that nobody wanted to hang out with Tiger, <laughs> I'm out. DL3 for the win. That's easy. Perfect. So we have uh, two for Davis
0: Love and uh, one tip in Marco Miro's way with uh, uh, which sticks to theme though, Lee, or Jason, I'll give you credit because Masters has obviously pulled a lot of weight uh, on the podcast here with us. And so that's good. Two majors to one major uh, for me. Uh, obviously, I did look at the numbers. And so you're, you're actually very close. Um, Marco Miro has a, a net worth of 11 million um, to Davis Love's 50 million. So mm. Yeah. So you were, so you were very close on that, but I didn't even, I didn't even need to look at those this time, uh, to make my collection <coughs> because, um, I, Davis Love was one of my favorite guys on tour as I was a kid. Um, I don't know. I was probably knowing kind of the situation. It was probably just cause I thought he had a cool name and, uh, he looked like a pretty cool dude out there. And so I started watching him as a young kid. And then obviously, like you said, he he's well-respected on, on tour. Um, you know, being on the Ryder cup and, and some of those experiences and nothing but good things have ever been said, uh, about Davis love. And so I'm tipping that way. Obviously give me the 50 million in the bank too. I'm, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all about the money too. And so, uh, uh, you give me that and I'm going, uh, uh, Davis love the third as well. So that's a, a three to one, but we know on the pod that it's, it's not up to us. It's to the Twitter and what those guys think. So we'll, we'll roll it out to you guys and see whose career you would take.
3: I like think your fans like will be smart enough not to follow Jason.
2: Well, you know, I've been right on the the Twitter sphere there for the whose career most of the time. I think I think I might be wrong on this one, but I need the Twitter sphere to back me up here.
3: No chance.
2: You're probably right there. So well, I think, uh, you know, obviously Derek really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. I know you have a busy schedule and everything and, uh, you know, hopefully your travels back to Iowa are here are safe and you're able to enjoy your summer and everything. And you know, from all of us, I obviously appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this.
3: Yeah. Thanks guys. been fun and, uh, off to, uh, give your, your pot a consistent listen now that I know that it exists. So, uh, good stuff and let me know any way that I can help and, you guys ever get to a tournament let me know if they allow fans ever again <laughs> yeah we, right. we we need golf back so as of now the first one I can go to is the John Deere classic so hopefully the the fans will be allowed and we'll uh we'll get back at it so been a fan thanks so much yeah Derek as, as somebody who has once tied you
1: in an 18 hole round ago <laughs> I I also just I thought the stories were great um, so much fun for for us and I know it will be for our listeners too and and listeners you know make sure you keep following along whose career go vote for the nicknames you know get be interactive with us and and get involved in the nickname uh, the first round should be over now uh, these next few rounds will be a little bit more interesting because I think we're going to find out that some of these are pretty tough to pick against the other so again thanks thanks Derek and uh, uh, sorry we had to tie one time. That's a pretty yeah. big loss. Let, on your let me
3: manager. know. Let me know when that rematch is. I'll practice.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, we'll do it. We'll get it going. We got to play. play in re- nat- re- we're going to Northwood, Iowa, and we're playing the Nasty Nine. Ooh,
3: I don't know what that is, but it sounds lovely.
0: It is. It's, it's on your way up to Minnesota. We can probably make something work. So All right.
1: you'll drive Perfect. right by it. You'll drive right by it.
0: Perfect episode this was a, a ton of fun Derek again we appreciate it listeners we appreciate you guys for sticking out with us um, drop a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast at we really appreciate it we'll catch you on the next tee and this is the two putt pod